Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a October 4th Tuesday episode of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer for BlazersEdge.com and the former Blazers beat writer for the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back. It is officially the preseason, finally. I know that that's exactly what I said, almost verbatim what I said on yesterday's podcast, but I now I have some preseason seasoned on me, and all of us do now. We are covered in the preseason, and in the first night of the preseason, the Portland Trailblazers, your Portland Trailblazers, ran away with it, 98-89 at home at the Moda Center. I uh, took in the game, was there hanging out with the uh, jazz radio broadcast with David Locke, the podfather of this great Locked On podcast network, was there calling the game. Giving it a great call. Also the host of Locked On Jazz and Locked On NBA. Caught up with a friend of the program, Kevin Pelton. Uh, Caught up with, you know, lots of folks. It was great to be uh, at the Moda Center, which is, they're doing things a little differently these days. Um, And by these days, I mean just this year. uh, One of the changes that I noticed that uh, I'm sure more more of you will notice as you know, we get more games uh, to to watch, and that was that the lighting on the in the Moda Center is a little different now. It's it's a little bit more stage like. They do the stage lighting, uh, not unlike what the Lakers have done for a really long time. The Lakers were kind of the first team to kind of adopt that stage lighting with the you know making the background darker around the court and kind of giving the the court an elevated feel to it. Uh, the Blazers have done started to do that with their lighting. Uh, the way that they've lit the floor makes the rest of the uh, seats in the bowl as you keep on going up, they get a little bit darker. And so that's that's one thing that you'll notice when you're watching games, uh, Blazer games now at home on the broadcast is that or even I mean when you're at the arena you will notice that the court is just a little bit brighter uh I also noticed a couple other things uh if you like killer burger the price of killer burger has gone up uh a couple of bucks I believe they were like 11.50 last year and I think they're about 13 now and then uh a a, a uh, source on twitter uh <laughs> the 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 sources and by I mean sources I just don't remember the name of the uh 
person on Twitter who notified me of this, but the beers are uh, now cr- they have now crossed the ten dollar threshold. Uh, that is from Matt Brawley on Twitter at M Brawley One, who sent that tweet to me during the game that the beer is now ten fifty. If you and I'm assuming that that means ten fifty for a micro. Um, so yeah, the, those are some changes for you. Uh, as in the game experience wise. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and basketball, of course, uh, the Blazers did some interesting stuff tonight. They, I told you that they won. Um, and I, the more interesting, probably the most interesting thing that happened was, so Terry Stotts went with a starting lineup, which was the exact same starting lineup that they did last year. And that was Lillard McCollum, Mo Harkless, Al Farouk Amino, and Mason Plumley, And they went with that lineup to start the game, and I think that's the lineup that they should start with to start the season. But Stotts has said he will play around with lineups and that you, know, you can't read too much into the decisions that he made. With that said, he did something very interesting to start the second half of the Blazers' preseason game, and this could fall into one of the things that, you know, happens in preseason that we'll never see again, or this could be a sign of things to come. But uh, one thing that Stotts did at the start of the second half was that he started a uh, a, a different look. He, he went with a more of a small ball look. He started Harkless at the four, went with Ed Davis at the five instead of Aminu and Plumley in the front court. And that really turned the game around for the Blazers. In the third quarter, they outscored the Jazz 27 to 17, It was the biggest margin of any quarter that they had in the game. And there were a lot of – Derek Favors had a lot of difficulty uh, guarding Mo Harkless out on the perimeter. Uh, And the Blazers held up well defensively. And I guess that begs the question, you know, is Stotts going to do that type of stuff in the regular season? Last year he was more, you know – Everyone gave him, I think, you know, an appropriate amount of credit, maybe a little less credit than he probably should have gotten. You know, I think they probably probably didn't get enough credit for, you know, how well he tinkered with the lineup last year. And, you know, he would make back end back end of the rotation changes throughout the season. And he did a really good job of, you know, playing with the back end of Portland's rotations, you know, maybe mixing and matching guys here and there. And then the other thing, of course, that he did excellent, which you know, sometimes it seems like a no-brainer, but coaches don't always execute it, is the fact that he had one of his two best players on the court in Lillard McCollum on the court the whole time. And so when you have that, you know, obviously you're look, working with a guy that, a coach that knows how to mix and match players and knows how to tinker. But what he did tonight by starting a completely different starting lineup, taking out two players instead of just one player, a small tweak here and there, is something that I'm interested to see because I think it's something that he could do because given this roster, you know, I, I've always been concerned about, you know, does everybody get time? Does everybody get, you know, one of the guys that I was worried about a lot earlier in the season. And as we get closer to the season, I'm probably worried about less whether he will play or not was a guy like Ed Davis, who was a really critical part of their success last season. But, you look at the depth chart and you look at the way that they're changing their style to be more of a small ball team and you wonder where he fits. But the way he was used tonight, obviously he came on in the second unit and uh, Myers Leonard was not 
a go tonight, did not play, so that changes things in the rotation. But the fact that they brought him and they feel comfortable with him, you know, starting a half or whatever, if they can do that more regularly, or if, you know, Stotts is really willing to do that uh, kind of on the fly, it's really an interesting thing. And is it's not, it's not a, I don't, I wouldn't say that it's a unique thing, the, 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 the way that Stotts went to kind of a wholesale change, but it's definitely something that we really only see out of guys like Popovich or guys like uh, Rick Carlisle, who was, uh, you know, uh, a coach that Terry Stotts worked for in Dallas. And I mean, I think one of the things that, you know, people will always, <laughs> you know, love and hate also about Dallas, I guess, if you're a fantasy player is that, you know, they'll, they'll pull guys off the bench that haven't played in forever. I remember last year, uh, they were struggling and Rick Carlisle pulls out Sala Mejri and, who hadn't played in games and really wasn't that much of a contributor. And then Mejri just comes in and, and, and wrecks it and plays in the fourth quarter and, and they're rolling and it helps change the game for them and swing the game. And I wonder if we're going to see more of Stotts not just making small tweaks with swapping one player, but making uh, different tweaks to the starting lineup. And how how much will it mean really? Like how, how sacred is the starting lineup going to be? Because I feel like last year, you know, the four guys in the lineup, Lillard, McCollum, Aminu, Plumley were a pretty sacred, uh, you know, group of four that it seemed like was a group that Stotts wouldn't really mess with that much. Obviously, you know, Ed Davis would finish games at times and that would be something, but to start the games and to start halves, even the second half, the the Blazers usually kept things mostly the same. I think one of the only changes I remember him making at you know to start a second half last season is you know maybe you take out a guy like Vonley and you go with Harkless, but it wasn't something that I I think we saw. And I wonder too is you know does he have the you know the same confidence in Harkless as he does in Aminu? And if he does, you know then he's way more. He has way more freedom to kind of play with the lineups. Obviously, players like consistency, but the Blazers aren't a team necessarily where, outside of Lillard and McCollum, they they are a team that has a lot of guys who are all good at a lot of different things, but none of them really stand head and shoulders above the others. You have... Aminu, who does what he does at a really high level, especially defensively, and you know, offensively, what he can give you is a plus if he can make some shots. That's that's what he brought to them last season. And Harkless is athletic; he can run the court, good finisher. That's what he can bring. But you know, at six nine, you know, he might be able to give you. He can theoretically give you what Aminu gives you. I think Aminu is better at, you know, naturally better at guarding bigger players, but. Um, Harkless can give you something close to what Aminu can in, in, in certain situations. And if he can find a three-point shot, then he can give you just as much as what Aminu does. And then, you know, you have the Evan Turner and Alan Crabb situation where, you know, both of them are really good players, but they are both good at different things. And I wouldn't say that one player is definitively but better than another. And the Blazers have to play to that strength that they have a lot of guys who are about the same level in skill, in their way that they can put their stamp on the game, 
all in different ways, but the fact that they have a lot of guys that can do that is something that they should use. And that also extends to the center position because Mason Plumley, huge key to their success last year, excellent ball handler, you know, flashing a little bit of a mid-range jumper here in preseason. He won the Fan Fest the other day, which was a big deal, but uh, it's not a big deal. Um, but, you know, Plumley does stuff with the ball, and he's aggressive, and he's athletic. And then you have Ed Davis, on the other hand, who is an elite offensive rebounder, you know, excellent finisher, and just a scrappy guy who kind of brings a little bit of grit to this team that – you know, you look at their overall makeup and you think, okay, yeah, you have a lot of guys that, you know, maybe were, you know, weren't highly touted, but, you know, you don't think of the Blazers. The first thing that comes to mind when you think of the Blazers is not toughness, and Ed Davis gives them that. And I think, you know, to see him, he, in certain situations, other than, you know, the ability to pass the ball and the ability to dribble the ball, you know, is just as good, is just as good of a player in, as as Mason Plumley at times with with what he does and his skill, offensive rebounding, you know, being a little dirty around the paint and getting physical and just you know, doing the things that you need from your center. And I think that Davis brings that in spades in a different way than Plumley. And if you think that, you know, maybe Davis gives you a little bit more defensively, which I think he can at times because he's you know, a little bit quicker than Plumley and is just a little bit of a smarter defender, then you really don't lose anything. It's just a different look. And that is something that teams are going to have to think about. And if if Stotts is really comfortable going with that, you know, in, in non-traditional ways, you know, attacking that and going to that strength in, you know, hey, let's start the third quarter the way he did tonight with a different lineup. And if he starts to incorporate that, then it's like, you know, it it, it wouldn't necessarily, I, I if, as long as there's an understanding there, which I think that understanding is already there, you know, Stotts won't tell, a, you know, it's not that he won't tell a guy, but, you know, usually if a guy's not playing, it's not like he's going to go out of the way and let him know all the time. But, you know, I think the Blazers have always done a good job of telling their reserves to stay ready for certain moments. And then, there's always a moment when they're called upon. And I think that uh, that could happen more frequently this year, that guys are going to be called upon, that guys, uh, you know, are going to get thrown into roles that maybe we didn't necessarily see them in in last year because I think the overall level of the talent is pretty even. Uh, And I I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch as we move into the regular season. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to read too much into Stotts' lineups right now, but, you know, based on matchups, he may do more of this stuff where he's making kind of a wholesale change early, changing the rotation than what we came to expect last year where you knew who was going to start at the start of every half. And um, I think this depth that he has on the roster, and we haven't even talked about Festus Azili yet. We haven't even really talked about Myers Leonard. The, the flexibility that he has really gives him, you know, a, a great ability to, to play with the lineups and to uh, really allow, you know, for, for changes in the middle of games that maybe he, he wasn't able to do last year because of the roster that they had and that it was a young team and a lot of guys that were inexperienced. But now this roster has experience and even some of the guys that, you know, the guys that, you know, came in 
last year that really burst onto the scene, they now have a year of being in that position and doing what Stotts has asked of them. And I think that now that he has more guys that have been asked to, you know, carry various levels of response of, you know, various levels of, you know, decent to, you know, big responsibilities on NBA teams, I think he can really trust in a lot of these guys in a lot of different situations. And I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, more situations like we saw on Monday night with him starting the second half with a completely different lineup and attacking a weakness of the Jazz. And that is that, you know, Derek favors the Jazz are one of the two teams that plays, you know, more two traditional big men and that it's hard to cover a quicker guy on the perimeter. And they got a quicker guy in Harkless out on the perimeter. And it was uh, really hard for favors to guard that. And that's a good defensive team by the Jazz. So um, I think that that thing that we saw tonight where the Blazers use their versatility to really open up the game and get them that win in the first preseason game while the win doesn't mean anything. And ultimately the move of him changing the starting lineup in the third quarter, you know, may not mean a whole lot. It speaks to the depth of this team and what the Blazers can do to opposing teams going forward. And I don't think that it's just, you know, they, they really are deeper, they really are athletic, and they really can cause problems for a lot of teams, and I think they're going to be good. I, 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 I think the Blazers are going to be a really solid team. I think top four seed is really realistic. I think 50 wins is really realistic. And um, what they showed tonight, obviously in a preseason setting where you know the Jazz are still getting into their rhythm and the Blazers themselves are also getting into their rhythm, but the fact that they have a lot of talent is um, – and, and – a lot of guys that they can use in different ways, I think is a weapon for this team. And that's more what the, the changes by Terry Stotts showed me uh, tonight to start the second half, the ones that opened up the game and helped them run away with a victory. Uh, the high point man for the Blazers tonight was, of course, Damian Lillard. Uh, he had 16 points, only played 22 minutes. CJ McCollum had 11 points and played 22 minutes as well. Uh, he was 5 for 14 from the field. Not a great night shooting for Al Farouk Aminu. He was 0 for 5 from the field. Mo Harkless, 2 for 4 from 3. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. I know I did mention uh, as one of the stories to watch uh, heading into this season is you know whether Aminu can continue to shoot the way he did last year. You know He shot 36% last year with you know that being his first year, really being trusted to... Um, you know, carry that load offensively and uh, can he do it again? I think that's a legitimate question and one that will be answered over the course of the season. And if he doesn't answer it, you know, the way that the Blazers, I'm sure hope he will, you know, that's still going to give ample opportunity to guys like Harkless who can kind of step into a situation and has the size to play for and, you know, uh, the Blazers are going to have a lot of options there, but Amina did not shoot well tonight. Uh, 0 for 5, I'm sure it's just one of those games because uh, he seemed to be a pretty good shooter last year, even if his form, you know, may not look all that great to people. Uh, it went in last year, and that's really all that matters. For the Jazz, uh, Gordon Hayward looked really nice. Uh, 17 points uh, on the night for Gordon Hayward. Rudy Gobert, double-double, 10 points, 13 rebounds. Pretty aggressive screens from Rudy Gobert uh, that uh, the fans in the Moda Center did not like. Uh, one in particular, I believe, to Alan Crabb. He kind of lowered his shoulder a little bit. But, um, yeah, getting a little chippy in the preseason, it was at Moda Center tonight. But, uh, you know, 
it's always it's good to have basketball back. I was happy to see it. Uh, the Jazz are going to be interesting. Joe Johnson uh, only one for five tonight, but. Uh, in that offense, the way the Jazz run things, they do a lot of motion, and I think having a guy that can actually put the ball in the hoop like Joe Johnson is going to be great for that offense. And he, I think he's going to have. I think I'm going to have a lot of fun watching Joe Johnson. I, I, I said this on Twitter, but I have a soft spot for vets uh, in my heart, and I really do like uh, vets that are kind of in the tail end of their career. And I think this situation with Utah could be great for Joe Johnson. And, you know, the times he had the ball, obviously he didn't finish with great stats, but I thought he looked good. I think Utah's going to be fine. Boris Diaw was out there tonight uh, doing Boris Diaw things, but he only played 15 minutes. Dante Exum, I think the most interesting player that we saw tonight because it was his first real action since tearing his ACL uh, prior to last season. He missed the entire season last year. He played 21 minutes on the night he had six points knocked down a pair of threes so if uh Dante Exum can do that coming off the bench for the Jazz uh I think they'll be quite happy with that uh, especially with all the veterans that they have coming in and I think that they will be in the fight with Portland and the Thunder uh all season long uh to see you know who's gonna be the best team in that division for you know that doesn't mean anything but um jockeying so to speak, for, for, for home court advantage in the playoffs. I think that could be a, a, a real thing that those teams are fighting for. Um, and, you know, both teams, all three of those teams are going to be pushing each other all season long. The Thunder played their first preseason game on Monday to against Real Madrid. They lost, but again, it's a preseason exhibition, and uh, NBA teams have lost those before, so it's not a surprise. And then... Uh, the some of the more interesting things, uh, well, not more interesting, I shouldn't say that, but interesting things nonetheless to add to uh, Monday night's game. Uh, they had four injuries. The same guys that did not play in the Fan Fest did not play on Monday night against the Jazz. That was Festus Azili, Jake Lehman, Myers Leonard, Noah Vonley. Uh, loving Vonley's dreads, though. If you've seen Vonley's dreads, I'm all in. Uh, I'm on Vonley Island. Uh, myself and Fred Katz, the host of Locked on Thunder, uh, are setting up a camp on Vonley Island. We still believe, even though Vonley is probably not going to play much for the Blazers this year. And the fact that he's looking uh, w- with that headband, almost reminding of a young Jermaine O'Neal, is, uh, is, is pretty great. Uh, but uh, And I love the dreads that, he, the, that he's rocking these days. But uh, I think the thing that most people, well, the most drama-filled thing on the Blazers roster that happened at the end of the game tonight, which is kind of one of, you know, one of the dramatic parts of preseason and truly, you know, a life situation for a lot of these guys, you know, there's, there's three guys, three or four guys that are going to be fighting for uh, the final spot on the Blazers roster. And that is Luis Montero, Tim Quarterman, Grant Jarrett, and Greg Steamsma. Well, I'll throw Steamsma in there, even though I don't necessarily. I think that he's um, kind of a little bit lower on the totem pole than I think maybe some of the other guys. Maybe I'm wrong there, but I just don't see how uh, having Steamsma on the team uh, is really going to help them, or if he really has a place on the team, considering how small they're trying to go. Uh, the fact that they already have a lot of centers, a lot of big guys, a lot of guys that can play center on the team that, you know, that could use those minutes if those minutes become available. I mean, 
you know, they're still trying to invest in, you know, there's really no even minutes on the table right now that if you look at, you know, if you're just trying to hash out how many minutes there are for everybody, I don't even know if there's minutes for Festus Azili right now. So there's not going to be minutes for one of the guys that is, you know, paid really solid money to play center. So I don't think that they're going to have it carry another center uh, on the roster. So that's why I think Steamsma is not really going to be considered. Grant Jarrett was interesting tonight. Uh, he had nine points, including two three-pointers, uh, you know, he scored the ball, but uh, and 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 moved decently well. Although you know he looks, he doesn't move all that smoothly. But he did make some shots, and making shots is important in basketball because that's the point of the game. But he he's not that great with physicality. Um, he had one moment where you know he kind of just ran into Boris Dio after coming back, and he kind of you know went to the ground and. Uh, got knocked down pretty easily there, and it's not to say that you know he he's soft or anything, but you know he just didn't really, um, you know maybe he's just not as big or maybe not as strong, but you know he he was getting you know physical up a little bit, and I think you know he still has a chance though. I think the fact that he played tonight, obviously more probably a, a byproduct of the fact that you know Myers Leonard was hurt, Jake Lehman was hurt, Vonley was hurt. Zeely was hurt, so none of those guys had a chance to make to go in. And uh, Jarrett got the opportunity, took full advantage, scored nine points, um, and and maybe he's working his way into the conversation because you know if you're not if you're not sold on the package of skills that maybe the other guys fighting for a spot have, you can go a long way in the NBA just making some shots. And Grant Jarrett did that tonight, and so um, I think you know for for the purposes of this 15th man discussion i think he's he's very much in it obviously i wouldn't say that the pl- fact that he played 13 minutes and played more than montero and quarterman uh necessarily puts him ahead of any of those guys but it it was uh an interesting thing to see and the fact that he can shoot is uh is a good sign because uh you can never have enough of shooting. Um, and then the guys that I've been talking about a little bit more, Montero, obviously the incumbent, and uh, Tim Quarterman, the rookie out of LSU. Quarterman got in for the last three minutes and 11 seconds, got two turnovers, no points, no assists. Um, and Montero played 520. He had three points, two turnovers, an assist. He probably could have been credited with three turnovers because one of them – uh, wasn't actually, you know, th- there was a, a 24 second violation that he was basically responsible for that they didn't give him credit for because he didn't end the possession, uh, with the ball in his hands. And that's, you know, how the crediting of turnovers goes. But Montero, um, he, he was a little shaky, had a couple of, you know, not so great turnovers, but then, uh, almost like a scene cut out of hard knocks, the, uh, failures, you know, kind of dotted the path until uh, a moment of triumph, and Montero came off a screen and launched a deep three over uh, Howell Neto, the point guard for the Jazz, and drained it. So uh, he hit a three pointer, and just like we were talking about with Jarrett, you can never have too much shooting, and if Montero can at least shoot, um, you know, maybe that opens up something for him. So you know, he is the incumbent in that spot. He has, you know, he has 
a role on he, he had a role on the team last year and that role was you know to be the rookie to be, to be the guy that's there putting in the work and early and working there early and trying to work against guys and you know he he is the incumbent it's still a battle but um you know it looked like for a minute there that Montero was kind of you know, playing his way out of a spot and then you know, has that moment of redemption with a three. I think this battle is going to go all the way until the last day of the preseason. It could go. Um, I think this is a real, it's going to be a tough call, I think, for the Blazers. And, um, you know, maybe Steamsman has a shot. I don't know. But I really do think that the, the three guys to look at are Jarrett, Montero, and Quarterman. All of them are young. All of them, you know, have... Uh, a little bit more upside, I think. They're all kind of starting their careers, and I just think that those are maybe the guys that they'll lean into for this 15th roster spot. Uh, Grant Jarrett, Luis Montero, Tim Quarterman, but all of them showed uh, a little something tonight. Obviously, we didn't see a whole lot of Quarterman, but maybe we'll see a little bit more as the preseason progresses. But uh, thanks for joining me on this episode of Lockdown Blazers. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Gunderson. You can follow the podcast at Locked On Blazers. You can send the podcast an email at lockedonblazers at gmail.com. We will catch up with you later on, and thanks for joining us.